Friends, at this time in our service, I'd invite you to take your Bible in hand. And we're not going to move around too much today. I knew with the missionary uh, feature that our time together would be a little bit shorter. And so we're going to be camped largely in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. So if your Bible in hand, or if you have your Bible on your phone, a few quick button pushes and move to Luke chapter 11. Uh, we have uh, something special for us there today. All of these are part of our Life Builder series, of course, which is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, where we are reminded that our lives are built upon the foundation of Jesus, and that the Apostle Paul, as he was an expert builder, he was uh, one who led others to be followers and learners from Jesus, disciples of Jesus, and he encourages us each one to be careful how our lives are built. And uh, so that one day when we stand before the Lord, the, the days that we spent in this world, our, our actions uh, are just passing away. They're like wood, hay, and stubble. They're burned up in the holiness of heaven rather than those things that are done in God's will for God's glory, which are like precious jewels, silver, and gold, and they will shine in heaven. And so Paul says, be careful how you build your life. And uh, we've looked at various parts of the Christian life. It's basically almost like uh, a lesson, uh, a plan for new believers. But I know as a believer of many years that we need to be reminded of this regularly. We need tune-ups. You don't take that new car and drive it until it quits one day. And you wonder why it quit. Well, you never tuned it up. You never changed the oil. You didn't take care of it like you should. And I know sometimes as Christians, we just let things move along as they always were. And that's just not healthy for us. We need to be careful how we build. And we've looked at numerous things. Even last week, something as basic as the place of God's Word, Scripture in our lives, that it's spiritual food for us. We can't mature and grow without it. We've looked at the powerful and wonderful ministry of the indwelling Spirit of God. We even looked at spiritual warfare because we are in a world that is hostile to faith, and it's increasingly hostile to faith. And we saw that we had uh, actual enemies against us. Like, who could be our enemies? Well, we saw Satan was our enemy, this unredeemed worldly system, Satan, the world, and our flesh. Our old nature is a traitor to us, and we need to be aware of that and use God's resources, including the full armor of God. Well, this is just healthy reminders for veteran believers, but these are important things that we cannot do without as you begin to grow in your life. Perhaps you're a new believer. Today, another one of those fundamental foundational things, and that is prayer. Practicing prayer. It's something that we do not just at church, perhaps not even a brief table grace at meal, but it's something that should be part of your spiritual DNA. Scripture says so much about prayer that we can just touch on very few today. It is something that is important to God's people throughout the salvation history recorded for us in Scripture. We are encouraged in Scripture to pray without ceasing. And we know that doesn't mean driving your car down the road with your eyes closed and your head bowed, but having that attitude of connectedness with 
your heavenly Father. One uh, author said, it's like leaving the phone off the hook, that you're connected. You haven't hung up on God. He's with you every step of the way as he walks by your side. Jesus promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We know he's there in those emergency prayers we throw up to him as uh, we hit the crises in our lives. But he's there always and wants to be with you and wants you to live your life with him in that relationship. And we'll see that today. The picture in practicing prayer, of course, that's something that we as parents want to model and teach our children. And I don't know how many of you had children that you put them to bed and part of your bedtime routine, maybe it was stories, maybe an encouraging Bible story, but right before uh, they put their little heads on the pillows to go to sleep, you put them to bed with a prayer in the evening. Oftentimes, I would pray with the boys, and they would pray, and it was so wonderful. They would pray. Usually, one of them would uh, volunteer. You know, it was different every night. But after hearing their prayers, I would close it off with Daddy's prayer for them. And let me tell you, as a parent, when you hear the prayers of your children, it's so wonderful when their prayers begin to grow, and it's not just about what they face, their struggles, the hassle they get from their big brothers or their sisters, but their their scope of concern and prayers begin to grow out, and then they begin to pray for other people outside of the family, friends at school, the friends' family situations, and so forth. It touches, even breaks your heart as a parent. If it was within your power and ability to answer those little prayers, you would certainly do it. But I'm always encouraged by that because we do have a Father that we pray to and He has the power to answer His children's prayers. Not always how they ask for, thankfully. Oh, if we got what we ask for every time. How miserable we would be but He gives us what we need. He answers prayer perfectly. Perfectly. And we want to look at that encouragement today from Luke chapter 11. Now in Luke chapter 11, uh, it's funny, uh, you can tell this is, a, this is one of those old-fashioned structured sermons. We're going to go through it pretty quick, but you'll notice each of the points has the letter P in it. And it's not, it's not verbatim, but the the four P's I took from one of my favorite old preachers. I actually found it in the margins of my Bible. And I said, that's not me. I'm not the most alliterative pastor in the world where everything either rhymes or starts with the same letter. But I love some of the old pastors. They were my mentors. I read their books. I listened to them on the radio. Men like J. Vernon McGee and Chuck Swindoll and Warren Wearsby. And these four P's, I tracked it down. They came from Warren Wearsby. And the first P is priority, that in this passage, Jesus makes prayer a priority. Because it was a priority with him. If you have your Bible open to Luke chapter 11, let's read verse 1 alone. It says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now let's stop right there. This was not uncommon. Jesus is a man of prayer and he did something that you need to do. You need to make time for prayer. It's not going to easily present itself. Life is busy. And we talked about those enemies, the flesh, the world, Satan. There'll always be something else that you can do than pray. 
uh, something will come along. There will be an interruption. There will be a need. There will be something to distract you from that life-giving connection of prayer. You need to make time. If you can't make it, you need to take it. Jesus took time. His, biz, his days were busy. People were in need. The crowds were pressing in. But he would get up while it was still dark and he would go to a quiet place and have quiet time with his father. Make time. Take time for prayer. So the passage starts out that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Now that's interesting. His disciples saw Jesus' prayer, saw the powerful prayer life of Jesus. Not only did he spend that quiet time with his father, but we know on more than one occasion he would pray out loud in public for their sake. That they would see and hear how God was answering that prayer. Not just in his quiet time, but he said, I pray this so that you know that God hears and answers prayers as well. He mentions that in Scripture. So Jesus, they've seen his prayer. They know how powerful it is. They know that uh, whenever there's something important in his life, it's always bathed in prayer. When there's important decisions, uh, uh, charting course in ministry, he wants to be obedient to his Father's will. He needs that prayer connection. Though he's the second person of the eternal God, second person of the Trinity, we know that he still on earth he needed that connection of prayer as we do. And he modeled it for us. So they saw it and they said, Lord, teach us. We want that. Teach us to pray. And then they referenced John. Remember, some of them, before they followed Jesus, they had been followers of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, his forerunner in ministry. And they said, teach us because John taught his disciples to pray. We want you to teach us. And that tells me something important because John was also a man of great prayer. And we know if this man needed to be a man of prayer and depend upon God daily in prayer, well, remember John the Baptist, the miracle baby, and that's not a miracle, medical miracle. His parents, like Abraham and Sarah, were too old to have children, and God gave them children. It was in answer to prayer. It was a miracle. And not only that, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, this amazing, miraculous person with amazing ability to preach and convict people. Uh, what an enormous ministry. Uh, the whole country was shaken by him. But he needed prayer. He was a man of prayer. And he taught his disciples the importance, the priority of prayer. And so they went to Jesus. They said, Lord, we want you to do that for us as well. How they had seen Jesus pray. Remember, in the book of Hebrews, it says something interesting about Jesus. It talks about him in his... Uh, in his humanity, he was also our high priest. He was that go-between between the Father and us. And they reminded us in the book of Hebrews that verse 7 of chapter 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission, his attitude of prayer reverent submission to his father jesus was on his father's mission he said my goal is to do my father's will and he connected to that will through prayer the loud cries the tears 
We know that's referencing as well Jesus' prayers for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass by. But not my will. Your will be done. Connecting to the will of His Father through prayer. So Jesus did for us. It was a priority. When He asked that question, Jesus gave them that wonderful gift of the Lord's Prayer. This is one of the major sections we see in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaching disciples the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us a pattern, a pattern to follow for prayer. In Luke chapter 11, as we'll see in just a moment, Jesus says, when you pray, say, and so it seems like, as we often do, we just need to recite the Lord's Prayer, say these exact words, but we see in the... uh, the uh, parallel passage in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you pray, pray in such a manner where it's made clear that Jesus is giving us a pattern of prayer to follow. Now, just to compare the two passages, you'll notice as we read Luke chapter 11, this is a more concise version of the Lord's prayer. But Matthew chapter 6, that more expanded version, some people say, well, Is one right and one wrong? Well, no, these are two separate occasions completely. Matthew chapter 6 is, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is talking to the multitudes, laying down uh, among many different topics he spoke on. He touched on prayer. And it was a corrective passage because Jesus takes them to task for how their prayers are not pleasing to God. He says, don't pray like those proud people who boast and pray in public like the Pharisees uh, want to be heard for their eloquence and people to think highly of them. He says, God's not listening to that prayer. And he says, don't babble on like the pagans do who think for their many words they're going to be heard. He says, go into your closet and pray in private and your father who hears you in private will answer and reward you. Well, see, that's a corrective passage. And then Jesus gives them the enlarged pattern of the prayer in the Lord's Prayer. This is his disciples. It seems probably the 12 and maybe uh, a a smaller group of, of, of closer followers who have seen Jesus over the course of his ministry and want that teaching from him. And he gives them a concise pattern very similar to the one we see in Matthew chapter 6. Well, we find that reflected for us here. Well, first I have a picture where traditionally this took place i've shown pictures of this place before i i think in all my trips to israel i've maybe only visited there once it's on the mount of olives you see the picture of the church it it, it's kind of strange you say is the the wall missing there it looks like it's knocked down well that is the the potter noster church on the mount of olives very near to the traditional site of the ascension of jesus into heaven But this is the traditional site of Jesus teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer. Underneath this ancient church is a grotto, which is a fancy word for a cave, uh, where they said this is the cave that he taught him. Well, of course, that's just a tradition. But there was a church built there in the 300s by Emperor Constantine's mother, Helena, to mark that. And it's called Paternoster because, of course, that's the uh, Latin word for our Father, which is uh, how this prayer is often referred to as the Paternoster or the Our Father that we often recite together. 
Well, this is a place that throughout this beautiful old place built upon those ruins and reflecting some of those ancient 1,700-year-old ruins from a much earlier church, it has the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, written in beautiful tiles, decorated tiles on the walls throughout. And there are... Well, there's there's large ones and small ones. The large tile, there's over 140 different languages. And I even found Cherokee on the wall. Cherokee was not a written language until uh, the father of the Cherokee nation, Sequoia, uh, put their language into writing. Why? So that his people could have the Bible and read it. An amazing story. Of course, I know that because I'm a natural born Okie. I was born in Oklahoma. And as most people there, we have uh, Cherokee ancestors. You know, that was a whole state was a reserve. Cherokee, Osage, Choctaw, Chickasaw. People come from many different tribes there. But the Cherokee people wanted God's word in their own language. And you see those different languages. So it's a wonderful place to visit. Well, Let's look at what Luke chapter 11 says when they asked him to teach them to pray. It says in verse 2 and following, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Do you see how it's more concise? Matthew usually has a line that enlarges each one of those. But when you read it this way, you see it really is topical. It's like a pattern. Things Jesus says that you need to include as part of your prayer life. Looking at them very briefly, it begins in Luke with who we're praying to, God. But we address God wonderfully as Father. That's precious father or in matthew our father which recognizes not only the fatherhood of god but our brothers and sisters in the faith we pray with them and for them before our father who loves us jesus says remember the relational context of your communication you're not going with hat in hand to the principal's office because you've done something wrong You're not going to the boss. You're not going to the general to get orders for a suicide mission. You are going to your father who loves you. You're talking to your father. There's nobody who cares more about you. That's the relational context of our prayers. Hallowed be your name. We're ascribing holiness. We're magnifying the name and nature of God. This is an act of praise and worship. Now, each one of these can be a prayer entirely given over to them, but Jesus is giving these as part of a pattern or things that can we can include as part of our prayer life. Your kingdom come. Well, we know that's all about the will of God from Matthew. Your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, this is important, friends. This, as we saw in Jesus' prayers, are what he always prayed for. For every situation, he wanted God's will for him. And he wanted to obey that and be in the middle of God's will. How often my prayers, your prayers, on the other hand, have been wanting my will to be done in heaven. Lord, here's my will. If you can just find your way 
You get these six numbers to be called out when those bingo balls or whatever they how they pick the lotto 649. I know people pray about that. <laughs> you know, I want my will done in heaven, but our prayer should be wanting God's will done on earth. And I'm not just talking about the big things, world peace in world hunger. We do pray for those. Wars in Cameroon, famines, pandemics. But I want His will done in my heart. And you need to pray for that as well. Lord, have Your will done in my life today. Whatever problems, situations, struggles come my way, Father, show me Your will for that. I want to be in the middle of it. Pray for God's will. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. That stands for all of our prayer needs. We pray for our needs. We intercede for the needs of others. Our Father invites us to bring your needs to Him. He can answer your prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. We need to confess our sins. We need to keep short accounts with God and find that daily cleansing and forgiveness. And we in turn need to be agents of forgiveness as we forgive others. It's made very clear in the language in Matthew chapter 6 that your forgiveness is in part contingent upon your willingness to forgive. Matthew chapter 6 says, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. That means to the same extent. Well, yeah, if we did that, God would say, okay, I'll forgive you. Well, I'll say I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget it. And I'm going to hold it over you. And the next time you do something I don't like, I'm going to bring it all right back up, which shows I never forgave you in the first place. Boy, I'm glad God doesn't forgive like I forgive. Forgive us our sins to the same extent, at the same speed as we forgive others. This was so important that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus addresses it because he says, you all have a question about this because they took offense at that. They didn't want to forgive their enemies. And Jesus says, well, how can God forgive you if you're so unforgiving and hard-hearted to others? So confession, repentance, and finally lead us not into temptation or testing which is expanded in Matthew to say deliver us from evil, sometimes translated as the evil one, but it actually means everything from degeneracy to calamity. It's prayers of protection. And that's a right thing to pray to your Father who loves you as well. Pater Noster, our Father, He loves us. We're reminded of that in numerous passages. One, Romans chapter 8, very familiar, of the intimate relational context of your prayers. Romans chapter 8 verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. (laughs) No matter what language you speak, little children have certain words they call mama and dada. They're always little short repeated monosyllabic words. It's the same for grandparents. We take great joy from our grandkids in Calgary who who uh, we have Chinese grandparent names, Nai Nai and Ye Ye. You see how they have little short names? You go to Russia and you hear them talking, these great professors speaking Russian and they speak of their parents and it's mummy and daddy. <laughs> you know, you say, oh, I picked that up. Sounds a little immature, but is it the child's 
word. And I think this reminds us that is the level of our relationship. Because your daddy, as you get older, you don't even call him that. You shorten it. That's too embarrassing. I don't want that closeness, intimate dependence that I did when you were my daddy. You then become dad. From dad, you become the old man. <laughs> because now I'm my own man and I'm finding my own way and I'm, I'm forging a new path. And so it's, it's not always rebellious or oppositional, but you know, you're making your own way. The old man, I'm my own man. And, and then you get to my point where you're an old man yourself and your dad's just a bit older man. And now as two old guys who just love each other and love the Lord, it's great to be together and talk together and share our history together. But God says to me, you're just my baby. Ava, that's like Dada, that's Papa, that's Daddy. And that's a little bit humbling. We're not his equals. We're not his partners. We're his children. We're his kids. We need to be carried before we can walk. Abba, Father. That's the level of intimacy and love that he has for you. Go to him like that in prayer. Also, we see not only the pattern and the priority of prayer. There's those four P's from Warren Wearsby. But Jesus encourages persistence. Keep on. No, we quit praying so quickly. We give up too soon. You ask people, well, have you prayed about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Are you praying about that? No, I, I prayed about it once. And then you quit? That's like saying, are you reading your Bible? Well, I read it. No, it needs to continue. You need persistence. And Jesus, in Scripture, this is one of them, in two places, both in the Gospel of Luke, he tells stories, parables, about persistence in prayer. We'll go through this very quick. It's uh, four verses. Luke eleven five to 8. After giving the pattern, Jesus then said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. and My children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now we also see a very similar parable in Luke chapter 18. We call This was the parable of the midnight visitor. We call that other one the parable of the unjust judge. That widow who's been hard done by, she wears that ungodly, unjust judge down by her persistence. And I love that because it, it prefaces that one as, as Jesus could this one as well. Verse 18, our chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. Don't give up. Always pray. For that unsaved spouse, those grandkids that are making choices that it breaks your heart because you know it's going to cause them pain. It's going to lead them further rather than closer to the Lord and the life-giving goodness that He offers to each one of us. 
always pray, never give up. Jesus, in this passage, this is the first time he does it at very close order, he's making an argument from less to greater. You get that? That's very rabbinic as a, as a teacher, a, a Jewish teacher in that age. He's saying, if this grumpy neighbor in his warm bed with his family locked up in the middle of the night will get out of bed and give you what you need, if he'll do it, then to the greater, your father who loves you and has the riches of heaven at his command, he will give you what you need from less to greater. He does that again and again in Scripture. Finally, in this passage, we see Jesus, he makes promises for prayer. And this is where he makes that from less to greater argument again. Jesus has encouraged you. He's commanded you. He's taught you. He's cajoled you. He's illustrated for you all of the importance of prayer. And finally, he promises. God hears you. He loves you. He'll answer you perfectly because these answers to prayer as i said they're not for everything not for the winning 649 numbers and things that are focusing on our selfish desires often far from what would be best for us but this is when we're praying in the relational context of our heavenly father and this is where we are desiring god's will be done not ours when your prayers fall in that territory you know God joyfully answers them. He answers all prayer. Sometimes it's no, but we know that when we are praying for the will of God to be done, it will be done. Jesus continues in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 10. Jesus says, and makes the promise, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, that door will be open. As we pray for God's will, as God's children, for God's glory, we will receive what we pray for. And then Jesus, he argues from less to greater. He talks about fathers and their love. And how they love to answer their children and love to give them gifts. Not just any gift, but good gifts. And he says, if earthly fathers can do that, how much more to the greater? How much more can God do that? We finish looking at Luke 11 with those last few verses, verse 11 to 13. So Jesus continues, which of you fathers, which of you fathers, he continues, If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We've seen the powerful indwelling of God's Spirit and how as we intercede for others, the Spirit interprets our prayers to fall in line with God's will. That wonderful ministry of intercession the Spirit has. God gives good gifts, spiritual gifts, all that we need, physical, spiritual, emotional resources, God is willing to give them. Why? We don't deserve it. It's all based on his love. 
It's not what we earn that will get God to answer our prayers. It's who He is in relation to us. He's our Father who loves us. And we finish this morning, friends, with that encouraging verse. I love the letters of the the letters of John. As the Apostle John, he writes to churches. And he's up there in years. And he's got great experience with Jesus. And oh, the love of Christ overflows from him and through his writings. John writes of our relationship with the Lord in chapter 3 of 1 John. He begins the chapter by writing, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know Him. How great is the Father's love for you today, brother or sister, for we're children of God. Go to your Father in prayer. Walk with Him. He's always there with you. Pray without ceasing. Keep that life-giving connection of prayer open to Him. That is a building block of life. Be careful how you build this life. It's been wonderful to be together this morning to hear from the Bransons, a fresh update from them. Let's close our time together with prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, it's so easy to recite the disciples' prayer that you gave. And Lord, as we recite it, it's just like muscle memory. Our minds wander. We don't even think about the words we're praying. And Lord, there's nothing wrong with just praying that prayer over and over if we pray it from the heart. But Lord, may it take root in us. May it be a pattern of our relationship of communication with you. You're our Father, Abba Father, who loves us. We're your little children who are dependent on you. As those little kids cannot do for themselves, they depend on their parents. Father, we depend on you. So this day, Father, may your will be done in this big hurting world. But Lord, may your will be done in our little corner of it and in our hearts and in our families and homes and in our lives. Father, may prayer not just be a building block, something done occasionally, but it'll be like our breath and like our food. May we pray your word back to you. May we bring you glory and focus on your will each day of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this teaching today. We want to say along with your disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. We ask it all in Jesus' strong name. Amen. God bless you and keep you.